0: We welcome each of you to this service of the hanging of the green greens. Um, glad to have you here with us today, especially if you are visiting with us. We're glad to have you here and do trust that you will want to come back to worship with us on many future occasions. Just quickly to highlight a couple of things that are in your bulletin. Please notice uh activities tonight for children and announcements there in your bulletin about that as well as for youth uh, who are here taking some orders for t-shirts and hoodies also in your bulletin is word about a family life survey uh, that we ask you to either take online or uh, look in the classrooms and help us with some ideas for the next year that will be very helpful If you were not able to be here last week, uh, number one, you missed a great sermon. And for another thing, um, you may have missed an opportunity to make a financial commitment for the year 2012. And so there are in the back some pledge cards if you would like to um, make that goal setting for yourself or that commitment, however you look at it. From the church's standpoint, it just kind of helps us know how to plan. Uh, I want to say to you though that if you inherit a million dollars we will allow you to adjust your pledge and uh, if a, if the opposite is true and you and you need to make an adjustment, um, that's always allowed as well. This is just something between you and God that we get a little picture of to help us with our planning if you if you're able to do that. Um, this morning since this next next Sunday the children will be Uh, presenting their musical during this service, that's uh, next Sunday. So because of that, the children will go today, those that want to, to the library to exchange their library books and whatnot. And the place that we're going to do that today is immediately following the children's sermon. So it's later in the service after things are all uh, decorated and on. But right after the children's sermon, uh, Beverly Davis will be leading the children up to the library. So, wanted to make that uh, make you aware of that. Let us now begin our time together in worship. I invite you to stand for the introduction to the service. <clears throat> How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the King? With branches
1: of the cedar, the tree of the royalty.
0: How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the eternal Christ? With the How shall we prepare this house for the coming of our Savior? With
2: wreaths of holly and ivy, telling of his passion, death, and resurrection.
0: How shall we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Son of God? By hearing
1: again the words of the prophets, who told the saving word of God.
0: For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Glory to God and to us. Please be seated.
3: Jeremiah twenty three, verses five and six God will send a righteous king. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. In ancient times, the cedar was revered as the tree of royalty. It also signified immortality and was used for, for purification. We place the cedar branch as a sign of Christ, who reigns as king forever, and whose coming and justice and righteousness will purify our hearts. Amen.
2: Isaiah 9, verse 2, and verse 6 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authorities shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Because the needles of pine and fir trees appear not to die each season, the ancients saw them as signs of things that last forever. Isaiah tells us that there will be no end to the reign of the Messiah. Therefore, we hang this wreath of evergreen shaped in a circle which itself has no end to signify the eternal reign of Jesus, the Christ.
4: fourth servant song Isaiah 53 1 through 6 who has believed what we have heard and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground he had no form or majesty that we should look at him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him he was despised and rejected by others a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all.
3: For Christians, the Isaiah passage reflects the sufferings of Jesus, who saved us from our sins by his death on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead. In past times, holly and ivy were seen as signs of Christ's passion. Their prickly leaves suggested the crown of thorns, the red berries, the blood of the Savior, and the bitter bark, the drink offered to Jesus on the cross. As we place the holly and ivy, Let us rejoice in the coming of Jesus our Savior. The Mystery of the Incarnation, 1 John 1-5, 9-14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world he was in the world and the world came into being through him yet the world did not know him he came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him but to all who received him who believed in his name he gave power and to become children of god who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or of the will of the ma- of man but of god and the word became flesh and live among us and we have seen his glory and glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, the light of the world, we light the chrisman tree. During this advent, wherever you see a lighted Christmas tree, let it call to mind the one who brings the light to our darkness, healing our brokenness, and peace to all who receive him. Holy Lord, we come with joy to celebrate the birth of your Son, who rescued us from the darkness of sin. By making the cross a tree of life and light, may this tree, arrayed in splendor, remind us of the life-giving cross of Christ, that we may rejoice in the new life that shines in our hearts. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
4: The prophet Isaiah said for darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn.
2: We light this candle as a symbol of Christ our hope. May the light sent from God shine in the darkness to show us the way of salvation. O come, O come, Emmanuel.
0: At this time, we invite the children to come forward to join Amy Kynard for a few moments of sharing.
2: is my favorite time of the year. This is the first Sunday of Advent. Do you know what the word Advent means? Anybody know? Yes. It's part of Christmas, yes. Advent comes from two Latin words that mean to come. So we are getting ready. We are preparing for the coming of the baby Jesus. And if you think about the word adventure, That comes from the same thing. When you go on an adventure, you're getting ready to come and do something wonderful, aren't you? This morning when I was trying to get this ready, I was hoping it would be an adventure, and it might be. Um, The scripture that I want to read this morning is Mark 13, verses 35 through 37. It says, keep a sharp lookout, for you do not know when I will come, at evening, at midnight, early dawn, or late daybreak. Do not let me find you sleeping. Watch for my return. This is my message to you and to everyone else." Well now, if you're going to be watching for something, can you be sleeping? No, you can't be sleeping. Well, how do you wake up? What do you do at your house to wake up? You wake yourself up. What do you do? An alarm clock. Anybody else? Does your mom ever come in and throw a cold washcloth on your face? Thank goodness. Does she ever come in banging pots and pans together? No. She's probably gentle, isn't she? She probably comes in and says, it's time to get up, sweetie. Ah, she turns on the lights so you can see. Takes off the covers. Now, there's an adventure. Okay. Well, I'm going to show you something. Hold on just a second. Hold that. In order for us to be awake and to see we have to prepare ourselves. And we can prepare ourselves with the alarm clock. We could prepare ourselves with the pots and pans. We could prepare ourselves with mom turning on the light. But the biggest thing is that God wants us to be ready. He wants to prepare us and he wants us to be awake. So right now, these eyes are doing what? Are they awake? They're sleeping, exactly. We have to be awake. It was an adventure. (laughs) Okay, well, pretend with me if you will. These are droopy eyes. Look, they have bags under them. God wants us to be awake. There was supposed to be a big hole here. Folding doesn't always work, but this one did. This was my practice one. Now they're asleep. Now they're awake, yay! God wants us to be awake for his adventures, and he wants us to watch during this Advent to get ready for the coming of Christ, for the baby Jesus. Let's say a prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our adventures that you give us every day, and thank you for this Advent that we are going to experience. Most of all, help us to be awake and ready so that we can see you and and your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
0: Let us worship God at this time as we give our morning offering. say thank you to all of you that participated in today's uh, very beautiful and uh, lovely service of Hanging of the Greens. And I want to say a special thanks to Mary Lee, our Chairperson of Worship, who had the responsibility of getting the tree up and decorated and lining all this up so that I wouldn't have to and mess it up. That's basically what she does. And this is the third year of her captivity, she says. And I was hoping she would keep this job until Sarah Catherine grew up and could take over. But anyway, we appreciate uh, all the hard work and, and all that you have done to make this place beautiful. And it will continue to be beautiful throughout this month. And I know you enjoy that and appreciate that as much as, as, much as I do. <clears throat> From Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. Here now, our scriptural lesson for today. But in those days, Jesus is speaking and says, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my, ber- my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going away He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or dawn, when the rooster crows. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. I say to you, what I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. Here ends the lesson. It is such a joyful experience to be the father of two grown children who still like to call home from time to time to talk with their parents on the phone for some wise counsel and advice. I just can't figure out why our phone conversations usually end with them saying, I think I'd better talk with mom about this. Just the other day, Hillary called. And I knew as I heard Hillary and Penny talking that I had some words of wisdom that could shed light on her concern, offering her some words of encouragement. But when I took the phone and made my suggestion, she said, Daddy, that's not what I needed to hear right now. put mama back on the phone. My good news was not understood by her to be uh, good news. It seemed to be bad news. Usually when we hear Jesus' words about his second coming, about events that will happen that lead up to that event, we don't realize that he really is offering us words of encouragement. It sounds more like scary news, doesn't it? It is as if we are children Who wake up in the night with a nightmare, and Jesus comes to tell us a story about he's defeated, how he has defeated that monster that lives under our bed. And that's supposed to help us get back to sleep? Lord, that's not what I needed to hear right now. Mark was the first of the four gospels to be written down, some 30 years after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection written down at about the same time that the Jews rebelled against the Romans and started a short war that led to their total defeat, the destruction of their temple in Jerusalem and their banishment from the Holy Land that lasted about 1900 years. Because of the close association between Christians and Jews, this also encouraged the persecution of Christians that had already started and lasted for several more hundred years. Jesus had known what the outcome of that war would be. Certainly, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what would happen to any small group that attacked the mighty Roman army. Mark recorded Jesus' words during those very dark days to encourage Christians not to participate in that war, nor to expect that war to, resu- to result in the coming of God's kingdom to earth. That's not how my kingdom is going to come, Jesus said. Instead, at the darkest of hours, even if the days are like Isaiah wrote about, when the sun and the moon turn dark and the stars fall out of the sky, Even then, look up and have hope because God will send his king back someday and he will gather up his people from all over the earth and even heaven. Even though it might seem like Jesus' followers have been scattered all over heaven and earth as if blown by the four winds, the angels will make sure that no one is left out, that all will be gathered together to meet Jesus on the day he returns. That's how the kingdom will come in fullness, Jesus said. Now, I think that's a good word for us always to remember. We tend to pin our hopes on political events in our world. And I do believe that our world is inching ever closely toward peace and away from violence. And uh, totalitarian governments are moving toward freedom and democracy. But our efforts alone are not going to bring God's kingdom here in its fullness. I celebrated the breakup of the Soviet Union and the fall of the wall there in Berlin and the move toward democracy in the Middle East. Even China is moving away from state-owned everything, allowing private ownership. But these changes by themselves don't signal the coming of the kingdom. I also enjoy American politics. Someone has said that the word politics comes from two words. Poly meaning many and ticks meaning blood sucking parasites. (laughs) You know Roosevelt, Roosevelt gave us social security. Johnson gave us Medicare. But the kingdom still didn't come. Nixon opened the door to China, and Reagan won the Cold War. But the kingdom of God didn't come. And as I look ahead to 2012, I don't see anybody running for president in either party who's going to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. And I certainly don't put any credence in the Mayan calendar theory that some say predict the end of the world in about 12 months from now. Hey, we've already had two dates this year that didn't come to pass, so uh, why would next year be any different? It's a great thing that you and I always be at work to make this world a better place, even while we are confident that Jesus will be the one who will someday return and to bring the kingdom in all of its final fullness to earth. Then there was the matter of the timing of Jesus' coming, Apparently, the early church got their timetable all wrong, didn't they? David Ewart of the United Church of Canada says that in verses 30 and 31, Jesus gives his word of honor and makes an oath that all these things will happen within the lifetime of this generation. This promise would later give rise to the church's first faith crisis as this generation did pass away, and yet the Son of Man did not return. Then Ewart adds that when Jesus said, only the Father knows the day or hour when all these things will happen, Jesus' followers would have understood this to mean no one knows when this is going to happen within our lifetimes. I join Ewert in asking What then are we to make of Jesus, or at a minimum of the words of Jesus that others recorded in the Bible? Some answer this by saying that Jesus admitted that he didn't know the hour when the end would come, that only the Father knew that, and therefore Jesus' assertion that it would be in the lifetime of this generation only goes to prove that point. And if Jesus didn't know when it would happen... I wonder why so many people in our day think that they can figure it out. Fred Craddock, who is a retired professor of preaching at Emory, wonders if people are so obsessed with the second coming because deep down they are disappointed in the first coming of Jesus. Disappointed that instead of taking command of this world, Jesus sto- chose instead to befriend people in need, those on the, ma- on the margins of society. He chose to hug lepers and to forgive an adulteress and to tell stories about a great banquet in heaven where all people would be welcomed to God's feast. Maybe when Jesus returns the second time, he won't be a disappointment to us, So let's all be on the lookout for the Antichrist so that we will know for sure when Jesus is coming. Did you know that there are several websites on the Internet where you can go and get all kinds of information? And one of them, you can take a quiz to see who in recent years around the world have been thought to be the Antichrist in our day. Some were absolutely sure that it was going to be Mikhail Gorbachev, because he had that strange marking on his forehead that kept getting bigger and bigger as he conquered more land, you know. Some said, there's the mark of the beast. Others actually thought it was Ronald Wilson Reagan, because each of his three names have six letters, 666. Some guessed that it was John Kennedy, because he received 666 votes at the 1956 Democratic Convention. Lutheran pastor Todd Weir wonders if we might be able to find a better use of our time. He says, what if all this time and money were spent on loving others and making the world a better place? Good question. Especially when there are many, many scholars that believe that 666 was Nero in the first century. But maybe Jesus was actually talking about two separate things. One that did come to pass in his generation, and another thing that would come at a time that only God knows about for sure. You see, that chapter in Mark begins with the disciples enjoying a visit to the temple with all of its beauty and meaning. Jesus brings them back down to earth by saying that very soon that temple would be destroyed. When, they want to know. Then Jesus relates the list of things that were going to happen within the next few years, the lifespan of that little community. He says others will come claiming to be the Messiah. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes, famines, persecutions, arrests, and trials. The temple itself will be profaned. There will be a need to flee to the mountains and hills to get away from armies surrounding the city. And then the siege of the city and the destruction of the temple will happen. Those things did all happen before that generation passed away. The coming of this war with Rome would be as obvious to them as summer about to come when you look out and see trees sprouting leaves. What didn't happen at that time in that generation was the return of Christ. Perhaps that part of Jesus' answer to the disciples, Jesus was saying only God knows that. The exact time of the end is God's business. Jesus ends this conversation with his disciples by telling them a story about a man who went on a journey leaving his servants in charge of the household. One servant was given the specific job of watching the door, but they were all told to be on guard, to be watching for the master's return. And then Jesus said, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Other translations say, keep awake or be alert. These words have also been used to scare people, as some people wonder, what's going to happen if I don't stay awake, if I don't keep that constant vigil going for Christ's return? Again, I think that Jesus intended his words to be words of encouragement and comfort. Keeping awake awake and being alert spiritually means to live in a state of awareness that Christ is already here with you now. And you can live as if the final coming of Jesus has happened already as you live in the kingdom of God now. God's kingdom is already here in our hearts now, Jesus said one time. And we can live as if Jesus has already returned. The servants of the traveling master were to live in that awareness. That although their master was physically absent from them, He was still very much with them. Their needs were provided for every day. They had things to do that he gave them their assignments to do every day. They were to live as if the master had already returned, as if he was already back. Being awake is to be aware that we're always in God's presence and that we view our lives through the eyes of God, full of hope and possibilities as we grow through our times of suffering to become whole human beings. We can live in God's presence now. We can live in the kingdom of God now. Sometimes I think we human beings need something to wake us up to the place that we take inventory of our lives and suddenly come to realize what really is important to us and things that aren't so important that we've allowed to cloud our days and and, uh, uh, clutter our path. People enjoy asking one another, hey, what would you do if you learned that you had just one day left to live? Singer Tim McGraw wrote and sang a song called Live Like You Were Dying, and you've probably heard that, about a man who was diagnosed with terminal cancer when he was in his early 40s. Staring death in the face made him make some decisions about how he was going to live the rest of his life. And as a result, he said, I went skydiving and Rocky Mountain climbing. And I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I had been denying. I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. I became a friend a friend would like to have. I finally read the good book and I took a good long hard look at what I would do if I could do it all again. Someday, he says, I hope you get to live. Hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. In saying watch, Jesus is saying Go ahead and do those things that you want to do, that you would do if you knew your days were short, if you knew you were dying. Live in God's kingdom now and watch in hope for that day when the King is coming. Amen.